0: Next on BYU Sports Nation, a reality check for the BYU running backs. Who's going to run the rock for the Cougars on Friday night?
1: Blake Fowler discusses UConn's strengths and weaknesses, as well as how Tanner Mangum can get some help Friday night. Plus, we'll play some big
0: deal, no deal, and the BYU women's volleyball all time digs leader in studio with a karma
2: testimonial. Let's go. This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by The BYU Store. Simulcast on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU
0: Sports Nation Live and Radio Vision, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Wednesday, September 30th, wherever and however you're dialed in, great to have you with us. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with vintage tube sock collector,
1: Jerem Jordan. I do love me some good tube socks. I used to wear them. Like Keith Van Horn was like the tube sock guy, right? you Utah Ute. They're making a comeback. Are they? Designs, Yeah, the stripes at the top. I don't know why. You can wear any color sock you want with any color shoe now. It's, fu- it's a fun time. Like y- you can be colorblind and be great, you know, at fashion <laughs> with that. Like I'll wear whatever color, whatever. My wife would be like, that doesn't match. I'm like, it don't matter on the court. It doesn't.
0: Hey, listen, you can always say, oh, I'm colorblind. And everyone would be like, oh, yeah, okay. Oh,
1: great. BYU football
0: back home for the first of four straight games at Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Friday. The Cougars will not play a road game until early November. Wow. And the best news about that, Jerem, this show live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium on
1: Friday. That's fantastic. Uh, And then next week we're going to be live from uh, Deseret First Credit Union near campus. That'll be fun as well. So this Friday live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium. We'll say hi to The Rock on the way in. The rock line will be there. It's it's supposed to rain uh, this weekend, so they don't care. Stay dry, you know.
0: Yeah, and I I don't know how much. I don't know how much it will rain. Yeah, maybe some, but the The rock, the diehards. You you saw the Nate against Texas in 2013. Tis the nature of a rock. The harder it rained, the louder they cheered. It was nuts. The game was nuts. That's what a student section needs. Here are today's BYU Sports Nation headlines. 15th-ranked BYU women's volleyball beat LMU in four sets last night in the Smith House. Cozy Burnett had a career-high 12 kills. Alexa Gray also had 12 kills, 13 digs. We'll talk with Libero Sierra Parker later on the show.
1: Guy Holliday, the receivers coach, called out his receivers yesterday at Football Media Day saying, you can't be six and play 5'11". He went on to say, we've got to play to our strengths, and we'll get that done. He put some names before that statement as well. Said Kurtz and Matthews.
0: Basketball media day yesterday, Dave Rose said BYU begins practice on Monday, the first of 30 practices over a 42-day span before the season opener against Utah Valley on November 13th.
1: The University Parkway series, collision? Question mark? Yes. Former Cougar Jacob Bregman of the Midland Rockhounds, AA baseball team, has been named the offensive player of the postseason in the Texas League. The Rockhounds won the Texas League championship.
0: Episode number five, is it, of Inside BYU football? Correct. Aired last night. If you missed it, catch this week's episode following us immediately today, live on BYU TV. Hashtag inside BYU. Tell us what you think. Quite a locker room scene after that Michigan game.
1: And this this is a different kind of show than the Nebraska. You know, after the Nebraska game, but it's the highs and lows of a season. It's, it's part of it, and certainly this game was a low moment, but how does BYU bounce back from that? What was it like in preparing? What did Bronco all say to the team right after? There's only one place to get that kind of access. It's on Inside BYU Football, and that's coming up right after the show at 1 Eastern time.
0: Arise from the dust. And rise and
2: shout. It's time for What's Trending. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. Running backs... Reality check.
1: And uh, we had to do some adjustments from there, but uh, that's still,
2: you know, the next guy up, the next guy to get your opportunity, make the most of it. And
1: uh, like you said, in the running game, we, we fell short and in the whole thing from top to bottom.
2: Offensive
0: coordinator Robert Anai, to repeat his last statement, we fell short from the whole thing top to bottom. Approximately 55 days ago, BYU's projected depth chart at running back sounded like this. Jamal Williams, your number one, Mm. followed by Algie Brown and Adam Hine. Jerem, as of September 30th at 10.04 a.m. Mountain Time, the BYU projected running back depth chart for this Friday's UConn game could likely feature none of those three. Jamal won't be there. He withdrew from school, redshirting. Algie Brown dealing with a banged-up knee from the Boise State game. Adam Hine left the Michigan game with an undisclosed injury. Who knows if that guy's going to play?
1: This is not good. This is not good at all for any team. Give me Alabama and have your top three running backs gone. Obviously, they have you know lots of talent, but your fourth string guy is not the same as your first string or your second string or your third string. But you give guys chances and you see what happens. And luckily, it's Connecticut for BYU and not another Power Five or Boise State type of game.
0: So with rain in the forecast on Friday, we are for- forecasting running plenty, but runs by who? Hit the music. From the base of the beautiful Wasatch Mountains, live from BYU Broadcasting, it's time for a brand
2: new game on BYU Sports Nation. Let's play Meet That Running Back. Ben Bagley, let's meet contestant number one. This BYU running back hails from Harriman, Utah. Following a two-year mission to Atlanta, Georgia, this six-foot, 235-pound bruiser is ready to tote that rock. Meet Francis Bernard. Thank you, Ben. Big, physical,
0: bruising guy. Someone that offensive coordinator Robert and I, Jerem, has high
1: expectations for. Francis Bernard, listen to this. You know, there's a young guy that's got a lot to build up and his upside is tremendous. I really, really see that. And uh, that stage and that deal, uh, that kid was going hard. And uh, that was really good to see out of a young player.
0: How would you size up contestant number one, Jerem?
1: I saw Francis Bernard in fall camp. Uh, was wondering, oh, who is that guy? Bigger back. I think he's number 36, right? Uh, had a nice game against Michigan. I, I think there's, he's, he's a, a good future running back for BYU. If he's the primary ball handler um, out of the backfield this weekend, that's quite the jump uh, from what he did at Michigan, which was kind of in garbage time. But he was, he was decent in that, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Francis Bernard had four carries for 30 yards this season, all versus Michigan. Okay, so seven and a half yards per carry. BYU's down 31-0. It is what it is, right? But here's the thing with that. Do you know who's the number three leading rusher on BYU's team right now? Francis Bernard. (laughs) Adam Hine has 312 (laughs) yards rushing. Taysom Hill, after four games, is the second leading rusher to this point. What in the world? What happened to BYU's running backs, okay? What happened was injuries, as as we've noted. So Francis Bernard might be a guy that has more than 10 carries on Friday, and you probably didn't even know who this guy was. But he's a good future running back for BYU. More, more of a Paul Algernon Brown type. In Francis Bernard, we trust?
0: <laughs> I, I guess. It might be that situation on Friday night.
2: Ben, let's meet running back number two. This BYU running back is from the speeding ticket capital of Utah, Mantaway. A cornerback in camp, he switched to running back to replace Jamal Williams. This 6'1, 195 pound speedster is the pride of Fox Elder High School. Meet Riley Burt. Yeah! Riley Burt, who, by the way, was recruited to play
0: defensive back at BYU. He
1: was playing defensive back in the first couple of days of camp.
0: Then switched over after the Jamal Williams news broke. Riley Burt
1: is now maybe the number two running back. And, and again, we'll see if Hine, Brown, you know, and company um, play are effective. We'll, we'll see. But they're banged up. And, and Robert and I said this uh, earlier in the week about Riley Burt. Uh, I ho- I'm hopeful that we can bring uh, Riley Burt, our young running back, up, uh, up to par and get him in the game and see what he could do.
0: Another? That sounds like true he's going to play. Yes, that, that, absolutely that play. sounds like he's going to play. However,. I am hearing positive feedback, and I saw this kid play in high school.
1: He can, he's a good athlete. He he's is a, a good
0: physical athlete. runner. He he has the same mentality as Jamal Williams. Like you have to bring me. I'm going to keep going. He's got he's got that really physical mentality.
1: Yeah, and and here are the stats on him. You ready? Okay, go. There they were. He hasn't played yet. <laughs> he's BYU's fifth string running back. He hasn't played yet. He, game five of his freshman year, and he's getting thrown into the mix. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Again, it's early. It's early. He's a tremendous athlete. Um, I'm one of the one of the good gets for BYU in the recruiting class in February. Now he's gonna. Now he's gonna play what sounds like some significant time against Connecticut. And now for our final contestant, Ben, take it away. This BYU running back is from Saint George, Utah. He served an LDS
2: mission to Taiwan. After a two-year stint at College of the Desert and 6.3 yards per carry last season, this guy earned a scholarship for his senior season. Meet Nate Carter. Oh, yeah. There this guy.
0: Nate Carter, coming out of fall camp, was the projected number two. So what role does Nate Carter play on Friday night?
1: Here are Nate's statistics this year. 16 carries, 22 yards, 1.4 pop, long of 7, 5.5 rushing yards per game. Now, I'm not sure BYU's put him in a great position to succeed. I'm not even sure the coaches trust him. That was a question going in. Obviously, BYU gave him a scholarship and acknowledged the hard work, and he has worked his butt off to get in a position where he can BA scholarship player for BYU. Effective against Nevada. Very effective against Savannah State last year. But he has not really done a ton this season to maybe merit more looks. I don't know. That's up to Robert and I. I have this feeling that Bernard and maybe even – I I think Bernard has more carries than Carter this weekend. I think Carter's your number two running back this weekend if Hine and Brown can't go. Again, BYU's not said they're out for the game. Broncos said everyone but Philip Amone is possible.
0: Thank you for joining us on the (laughs) inaugural edition of Meet That Running Back on BYU
1: Sports Nation. Hey, that was fun. We don't really know these guys. Okay, now a question about Harvey Longy. Does BYU play him at running back more? Harvey Longy is playing with a messed up elbow. He's banged up. He has, yeah. And, and Harvey came out of the Michigan game injured as well. I do not anticipate Harvey Longy to play any snaps at running back on Friday. Right I, In now, fact, I would hope that he plays on defense. That's the hope.
0: Your three contestants, Francis Bernard, Riley Burt, and
1: Nate Carter. They, dire straits, man. BYU's down to these three guys uh, for of healthy guys uh, at running back. And again, hopefully Heenan and Brown can play. That makes it tougher on Tanner Mangum. Let's be honest: the offense is is Tanner Mangum and his weapons. Tanner Mangum and his protection. It's all it, to me. It's all about Tanner Mangum and helping that dude out as a freshman because he can make plays. And if you put him in position to make plays, he'll make them. But you got to block. You got to be able to run the ball a little bit. You got to your receivers have to play like they're six six and not five eleven, like Guy Holliday said.
0: BYU should theoretically be able to run the ball more effectively on Friday night. Three of BYU's first four opponents. Four games. Uh, yeah. Three of BYU's first four opponents. Top ten rushing defenses in the country after week four. Boise State, number one. Nebraska, number seven. Michigan, number ten. UCLA, Jerem, why could the Cougars run against the Bruins? They are 98th. 98. 98. How about that?
1: So BYU is playing uh, some tough rushing defenses to start the season. Now, Connecticut is a top twenty-five defense in scoring and total defense, but I don't believe in the Huskies D because they played Villanova and Army. They played a good game with Missouri. Missouri overrated. And then Navy is a Navy's a good team with a tremendous rushing attack. I I'd be shocked if Navy doesn't lead the country in rushing. So Connecticut looks good on paper. I I like the game they played against Missouri, but Missouri's out of sorts. By the way, Matty Mauk. And an offensive lineman for Missouri suspended indefinitely. Gunnar Keel, Cincinnati's quarterback, won't start this week for, uh, for the Bearcats tomorrow night. So there's, there's turmoil some injuries is brewing all for the over opponents. the
0: country. Conversation happening right now on Twitter. Use the hashtag BYUSN. Join BYU Sports Nation. Our Twitter question today which position group will help Tanner Mangum the most on Friday? We hope it's the BYU running backs.
1: And that music's going to be in my head all day, by the way. do, do, do. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> There it is. <laughs> at I Do Rock the Y
0: says, This running back is 5'10", 182, and ran a 10.9, 100 meters in high school and still has four years of eligibility. Me! Put me in, coach.
1: Now, I think Micah's used a couple years. I don't think that Micah Ingles at I Do Rock the Y has the eligibility that he claims. I really question that. Um, we'll see if he makes it through NCA Clearinghouse.
0: Up next on BYU Sports Nation, how concerned is Blaine Fowler, former BYU quarterback, national champion? How concerned is he about the BYU running back situation? And what about the wide receivers? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation presented by The BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. Our conversation happening right now. On Twitter, follow us at BYU Sports Nation. Use the hashtag #BYUSN.
1: Friday will be live from Lavelle Edward Stadium for the show, as well as Saturday, will uh, October third, live at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, one hour prior to LDS General Conference. We will have a BYU Sports Nation. We'll recap the Connecticut game. We'll talk to some players uh, and break down that game and get you ready for the next week. It's a uh, jokingly we call it the uh, General conference, conference pregame show. Uh, we'll get you ready for that. Unofficially, yeah.
0: Unofficially, countdown. To that's what we call
1: it. No one else is calling it that, but we call it that. <laughs> we gave ourselves a nickname, and that's dangerous.
0: Which position group will help Tanner Mangum the most on Friday night? BYU against UConn on ESPN two. That is our Twitter question today. At Dave Farn says, the defensive line mm. win the battle in trenches, put pressure on quarterback, will allow Tanner to keep calm, knowing his defense is dominant,
1: and get more of a, a rest. You know, and, and give the defense, Tanner Mangum and the offense need to help out the defense too, punting every time and five, three, five straight three and outs didn't help the defense get a breather either.
0: Joining us now on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is a man we call Uncle B, Blaine Fowler, the man with the biceps, national champion quarterback at BYU, college football insider. Blaine, welcome back to the show.
3: What's going on? It feels weird not to be in there with you guys, but we had, you know, Basketball Media Day yesterday. Very important.
0: Yeah, the basketball guys kind of booted you out. Sorry about that, man.
3: Uh, I I talked to those guys after, though, to to, uh, Kyle Collinsworth and to the crew. They They look like they're in shape and ready to roll.
0: Absolutely they do. Let's hope that the BYU football team is in shape and ready to roll as much as they possibly can be against UConn on Friday. But before we turn the page to the Huskies, I want to ask you because you were at the big house. You watched everything unfold from the sideline. Of everything that happened on Saturday for BYU, what would you address as the Cougars' number one concern?
3: Well, I, I think it was there. You know, the number one concern are things that you did wrong that you can fix. Um, and because you can address those right away, you have to put them number one. And we, if you, if you had a chance to watch after further review last night, I came away from the game thinking BYU just got manhandled on both sides of the ball. And I'm not saying there weren't times that they did, but I thought that that was a general theme. And when uh, Brian Logan and Dave Nixon and I and Dave McCann started to look at Phil, and we went, oh, wow, on defense on this play, they're in the wrong gap. That's why this guy gets a play. Oh, look at this next play. Linebacker overran the play. He's in the wrong gap. Oh, look at this play. They blew a coverage. Oh, and so play after play after play, we recognized – that there were assignment errors, that had they been assignment sound, we hear that term Bronco uses it all the time, would have been much more difficult for Michigan to, to move the football the way they did. And so, to me, I don't know, if it's my, I, maybe I'd be more concerned if they just got manhandled, but my number one thought on the game is, okay, defensively, I'm concerned that they weren't assignment sound, but that's fixable. And, and so I, I think that they can get better defensively, get back to where they were and, and sometimes when you get beat up early in a game, you start doing things that you know, thinking I've got to go make a play. So you go outside of your assignment, and then it compounds the problem. And maybe that's what happened in that game. But I expect the defense to be much better from this point forward. We just played a
1: fun uh, new game called Meet That Running Back. Uh, we'll, we'll see if Heine and Brown, you know, are healthy and can play. If not, we talked about Francis Bernard and Riley Burt and Nate Carter. What do you think of those first two, especially? Uh, uh, Bernie and Bert. <laughs>
3: I like it. it was Bernie and Bert, and not Ernie and Bert. Yeah. I like that. I
1: guess I, then someone someone else mentioned that. I'm not. I, I'm not taking credit for. Well,
3: them. well we know <laughs> that Bernard will run over. Will run over people. We just don't know much because they just haven't had much game experience. And, and and really, if it's down to those three, so if Adam can't get himself healthy and Algie can't get himself healthy, um, then, then the pressure is really on Nate Carter. And the reason is because he's had experience in there. He understands the packages. They can trust him that he'll know who he's supposed to pick up and pass protection. Um, and we saw flashes of really, really good play from him last year. It just seems like this year that offensive line on the plays that have been called for him haven't been able to create creases because he's not the guy that's going to go break a tackle like Adam Heaney's been doing um, when somebody misses the first guy and then make that guy miss and, and, and turn the run into something bigger. He is the guy that if you create a crease for him inside and he gets to the linebacker and secondary level, can turn some normal plays into bigger plays. And I think the BYU's offensive line, this is not going to be as challenging a group in UConn up front, although they're very good defensively. They're not as physical as Michigan or UCLA up front. So maybe, just maybe, BYU can create some creases and we can see the Nate Carter we saw last year. Blaine,
0: you and I were talking yesterday about rush defense totals through four games across the country. Boise State number one, Nebraska number seven, Michigan number ten, UCLA number 98. So should we be that surprised that BYU struggles to establish a run game this early in the season after what we have seen on the field?
3: That was a revelation, and you and I were, you were, I were talking about that offline yesterday, and I was going, oh, well, this makes a little more sense to me. This makes me not quite as disappointed that they're not running the football. And the best sign for me was is they ran the football pretty well at the end of the Boise State game, and they carried over to UCLA. So it shouldn't be a surprise that they were able to run the ball in UCLA. Everybody's running the ball in UCLA. But that, that last quarter, especially at Boise State, is a glimpse to what's possible. Now they haven't been consistent enough doing it, and sometimes it's hard to get momentum going when you're playing against back to back to back teams that are that good versus the run. And and this is a UConn team that they're you know they're solid defensively, um, but but they're not overwhelming with with physical presence defensively. And I think BYU's offensive line may have a chance to get more of a push. and and create some holes. And then the run game is an interesting thing in in terms of momentum. You start knocking a few people around, the line starts to get into it, the backs start to run harder. We saw that at the end of the Boise State game with Adam Heaney, and we saw it in the UCLA game. And this is an offensive group that desperately needs some confidence in the run game.
1: UConn uh, is seventy third, by the way, in rush defense. So not top mm-hmm. ten. That's good news. BYU is eighty uh, ninth. You they're,
3: look at the... they're, be- they're better in pass defense than they are in run defense. Yes. so that that's good. That's good for BYU. Yeah,
1: I like uh, Olafanu. I like Andrew Adams. Their safeties. They they've got some good back end guys. When you look at BYU's receivers, that will match up with those safeties. I thought BYU's receivers were good through the first three games. This is the strongest group on offense, in my opinion. Playmakers. Uh, Elite, not elite, doesn't really matter. Just go and make plays, right? But Guy Holiday called out his group yesterday, Blaine, saying he can't be 5'11 and play like you're 6'6". What do the receivers need to do the rest of the way?
3: Well, They've got to be more aggressive. Now, What I'm most interested in in the first quarter of this game is did UConn go out of their normal game plan, and did they come up and try to do what Michigan did to BYU, and that is play press coverage on the wideouts all over the field. And when I say press coverage, getting right up close to the line of scrimmage, getting in their face, grabbing onto them, putting their hands on them, throwing the timing off and making it difficult for them to get open. That's what Michigan did. I do not think that, well, I know because I've watched film on both, they don't have the personnel that Michigan has to get away with that. So, So Michigan's really, really solid physically in combination of size and speed. They didn't get away with that against BYU. They had a really good game plan. I'm not sure UConn can, but I'm still waiting to see if they come out and line up like that. And if they do, then BYU's receivers can't in their minds go, gosh, this guy is holding me. Hey, come on, ref, are you not seeing this guy holding me? Who cares if he's holding you? you got to get free. you got to be just as aggressive back. You've got to match physical play with physical play. You've got to match aggression with aggression, and that's what this receiving core lacked at Michigan. Michigan got up in their face, and BYU's receivers shrunk instead of stepped up to the plate and, and matched their physical play and in intensity.
0: Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation, national champion quarterback here for the Cougars, college football insider. Follow him at Twitter on on Twitter at B Fowler sixteen. Tanner Mangum looked rattled for the first time and. We knew this was going to happen because he's a a freshman. Yeah, he's 22, but he's still a freshman making just his third start against Michigan. When you look at the tape of what Tanner did against the Wolverines, and there wasn't much help around him, running backs, wide receivers, offensive line, what does he have to specifically improve?
3: Well, any young quarterback, the number one thing that he has to do is be decisive. So you make a decision, and you got to get the ball up on time. And so he's got to, He's got to just be confident if he throws it out there, somebody's going to make a play for him. A young quarterback said, tennis is just want to hold on to the football, extend the play by getting out of the pocket so they can buy themselves a little more time until all the confusion in there sorts itself out. And you can see a lot better when you're outside the pocket than you can standing in the pocket. I mean, it's just a fact. There's just not as many huge bodies in front of you when you get out there and you only have to look at half of the field. So you just got to be confident and sling it. And and Michigan created a dual problem for him in that they played press coverage, so he really didn't have anybody open. And then they didn't overrun him in their pass rush. They stayed in the rush lanes with their four guys typically. And they their game plan was, we are not going to let that kid get outside a pocket where he can see and be more comfortable. I don't know if UConn, again, has the personnel to be able to do that. But, but he's got to be confident if he's standing in there to just set his feet, and let it fly, and then hopefully good things will happen. And he's got to get more help from those wide receivers. And Michigan took away the receivers and had a good game plan, and the way they rushed the passer it was very, very good game plan, it caused them problems. Perfect game plan for a young quarterback. So, but to do a perfect game plan like that, you got to have the personnel to do it. And hey, let's face it, Michigan's pretty, pretty good football team.
1: Yeah, I hope Michigan uh, challenges Michigan State and Ohio State just to kind of validate what kind of performance that was because that was I, – I, I'm not sure – I, well, I don't think Michigan's going to be as good as they were Saturday again this season. I don't think BYU will be that bad either. And that's the good news is BYU has eight games left, four of which uh, – sorry, five of which uh, are at home. Connecticut's not the same kind of team that BYU's played. But when I look ahead and I see East Carolina and Cincinnati – there will certainly be challenges uh, for BYU. Now, on the defensive side of the ball, blame, we talked a lot of offense. Where do you start to begin to pick up the pieces for BYU?
3: Well, they've got to they've got to have a mindset change in the front seven where they've got to be more physical. Their linebackers have to decide they're going to play downhill. When they've got a gap assignment and the run starts to come toward that gap, they can't wait and catch the lead blocker or catch the back four yards past last scrimmage. They've got to. We saw Harvey Longy do it step up into the line of scrimmage, make contact, plug things up, and do your assignment. Um, so they, they have to play with a little more of an edge to them in that front seven. Um, but most, most importantly, we go back to what we started with, and that is you have to trust that the guy next to you is going to have his gap and you're going to get your gap. And he can't play outside of the defense You've got to have every gap covered that's assigned to be covered and do what you're supposed to do. Physically, they're good enough to execute that. But when they get out of position, they they put themselves in bad positions. And that's what we saw in that Michigan game way too many times.
0: Blaine Fowler with us on BYU Sports Nation. We've talked a ton about what happened or what didn't happen for that reason at Michigan. Now BYU tries to turn the page against UConn. What do you want to see from the Cougars on Friday night, more than anything, to validate that that Michigan debacle was a one-time thing?
3: I want to see the defense flying around and playing loose and getting to the football, um, but doing it the right way, so within their assignments. And and I think that if they don't shut this UConn team down, then there are major problems because this, this UConn team, has not been stellar offensively. they struggled, they consistently struggled. BYU's numbers are a little misleading offensively because they were just so awful against Michigan that now you look at their national rankings and they just dropped off the face of the earth. They were middle of the pack and now they're bottom of the pack by virtue of one game. UConn's been consistently struggling on offense, so BYU should shut this UConn team down. Then offensively, I want to see them get to their quick pass game, Give, give Mangan some easy throws that he can complete a high percentage of. And, and I, they have got to establish this run game. If they're going to live up to their potential and and win either win them all or win all but one down this stretch so they finish where we thought they could if they were 2-2 two and two at the beginning of the year, they are going to have to run the football better. And I think that that starts this week. So the number one thing I'm watching for is, even though they don't, may not have Adam Hine or Algie Brown, It's on the offensive line, and perhaps Nate Carter has to carry some of this. They've got to be able to move bodies and run the football if we're going to have great hope for them for the rest of this season.
0: Blaine Fowler, I would like to congratulate you on a no beep interview.
3: Yeah, you want that to set the tone? Hang up quick. (laughs) We've been talking about mistakes on the defense and assignments. Some on the offense. We didn't make a mistake today, so hopefully that will carry over to your game day. That is we a need great to end sign. this
1: phone call before we fumble the ball. <laughs> okay, let's get off here. Let's get off. Talk to you guys later. Right, Blaine, thanks. <laughs> hey, hey, is that as, that's as good a sign as anything that Blaine Fowler had no beeps. That was a beepless interview. If you are,
0: yes, if you are new to the program, every time he we have Blaine Davion, Fowler. He is the Davion Smith of this program. Every time we have Blaine on the show, there are a few <laughs> random Dial tone beeps due to vulgarity. No, no, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> just whatever. Blaine Fowler on the Desert First Credit Union hotline. Desert First, your values, your timeline, your financial future, and zero beeps. It's like a no hitter. Up good. Next, we play big deal, no deal. Was Taneringa's performance against Michigan a big deal? Beep. Welcome back to Sports Friends. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan in Radio Vision live on BYU Radio, simulcast on BYU TV, presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere.
1: Countdown to kickoff is live Friday night, 9 Eastern time on BYU TV. We'll get you set for Connecticut and Brigham Young. Watch BYU warm up. Uh, get set for that. Should be a lot of fun. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, Lauren Frankham, Spencer Linton, Brian Logan, and David Nixon. We'll get you ready.
0: Let's refresh today's BYU Sports Nation headlines, starting with number 15, BYU Women's Volleyball. They defeated LMU last night in four sets at the Smith Fieldhouse. Cozy Burnett had a career-high 12 kills. Alexa Gray also had 12 kills. Amy Boswell with six blocks. We'll talk to Libero Sierra Parker in just a few minutes on BYU Sports Nation.
1: Receivers coach Guy Holliday called out his group at Football Media Availability yesterday saying, You can't be six six and play 5'11. We've got to play to our strengths, and we'll get that done. Talking about Kurtz and Matthews. BYU Basketball Media Day yesterday.
0: Dave Rose joined us live in Studio B. He says practice starts on Monday. The Cougars will practice 30 times over the next 42 days before their regular season opener against Utah Valley on November 13th.
1: Former Cougar Jacob Brugman of the Midland Rockhounds, the double-A baseball team, has been named the offensive player of the postseason in the Texas League. Nicely done.
0: How about that? Jacob Brugman, double-A baseball. That guy, Mike Littlewood, told us that he might he might be the guy that is next to the bigs out of BYU bloodlines on baseball.
1: Let's get someone back in there
0: besides Jeremy Guthrie. Let's play Big Deal, No Deal. Big Deal, No Deal. Presented by Brady Industries, a provider of commercial cleaning supplies and equipment throughout the western United States. For over 65 years, Brady Industries clean solutions, a tradition for generations.
2: Number one. Big Deal, No Deal. Tanner Mangum's performance versus Michigan.
1: Darum? Uh, big deal because BYU got whooped and he's as big a part, uh, if not bigger on this team, uh, in terms of what he needs to do offensively. Now, was it Tanner Mangum's fault that BYU got whooped by 31 nothing? No, it's the whole team. But Tanner Mangum... Uh, I, I'm, I'm inclined to say no deal because I don't think that Tanner Mangum will have a performance like that. But guess what? BYU had all this national credibility. Everything was awesome. BYU was ranked. There was outsider New Year's Six discussion, uh, which was obviously too early from a lot of people, including us. I'll go, I'll go big deal on that. 12, 28, 55 yards, not going to get it done.
0: I say no deal mm. because everything went wrong for BYU. On Saturday. I mean, specifically, so yeah. So it
1: lessens how
0: bad it yeah, was? Yeah, well, it doesn't lessen it the, the whole bad, team's performance, right? no. But I'm not going to knee jerk react to the fact that Tanner Mangum had a rough game because
1: everybody had a rough I game. I didn't knee jerk. I full body jerked. Yeah. <laughs> it was like,
0: what? Everybody has that type of game.
1: So if this. Not that type of game. Listen, uh,
0: every freshman, go back, find me a freshman that doesn't wow. have a bad game like that.
1: That was really bad for everybody. True. I'm not. I'm not going to sit here and accept in any way, shape, or form anything who that you did that, Saturday. Who says I accept it? I well, it don't sounds like you're any- like, well, freshmen do it. It's okay. I don't accept no, it's anything. Not. I don't accept it. It felt like you did. No, I'm you're not like, accepting by it. By saying go back and look, and they do. It's like, so it's validated by this. Always I, happens. I don't, don't spend my words that
0: way. I'm not then validating it or it accepting anything. Then what I'm what saying is. is, as a freshman quarterback, if you don't have anybody around you, step up. What do you expect? What do you expect from him?
1: I don't expect 12 of 28 for 55 regardless of – yeah, you got to play better. Everybody, including Tanner. I point the finger first at Tanner. If he's going to get credit for the stuff he had done previous, let's also give a little bit of blame, right?
0: Didn't say I wasn't putting some of the blame. (laughs) Just saying it's not
1: as big of a deal as you are making it out to be. Number two.
2: Big deal, no deal. Guy Holiday's comments
1: about his wide receiver – Guy Holiday is an outspoken individual. Uh, I really like what he says, and this uh, this is what he said.
4: You know, so we got to play to our strengths. Devon is a little quicker, uh, so he can play to that. Nick and um, and Mitch, in particular, they're big, so they got to play big. You know, you can't be six uh, six uh, and play five eleven. That that doesn't work. So we got to play to our strengths, and, and we'll get that done.
3: Yeah.
1: It's, it's a big deal. If these guys were pathetic and worthless receivers, we wouldn't worry about it. But we worry about it because they're good. They're really good. I like Nick Kurtz. I like Mitch Matthews. I like all these guys, Taryn Hauk, But they've got to play better, and they're capable of doing so. Luckily, it's Connecticut and not Michigan again this weekend.
0: The expectations are high, and that is why it is a big deal. Look, through three weeks... The wide receiver core, we were shouting praises from the mountaintops. They played well. Because they were balanced and they were playing relatively well. So one game, eh, I would say that the one game, again, knee-jerk reaction, not a big deal. But the fact that those guys, after three consistent weeks, couldn't do anything against Michigan, yeah, boy, that that does feel like a big deal. So I'm going to side with you on that one, Jerem. Big deal. You need those guys to show up and play every single week, no matter who the opponent is. Number three.
2: Last one. Big deal, no deal. BYU's starting conference hoop schedule was 6 of 8 on the road.
1: Yeah, it's a big deal. Uh. Dave Rose uh, was pretty uh, pretty snarky yesterday on the show in reference to the way the league uh, hooked or didn't hook BYU up with uh, 6 of the first 8 on the road. That's, that's tough. That's a tough swing. Uh, BYU typically... Has more balance in that. Uh, luckily, is not the first home conference game or whatever. It's the last game in conference. I'll go big deal. Six of eight on the road in any situation, especially in conference play. That's going to be tough.
0: I say no deal because BYU has six of eight at home to close out the season. The majority of your back half of the conference slate on your home floor, you get hot at the right time. You get voters. You get the RPI going your right way. Yeah, it's, it's tough to have to go and do that, but has done it before. And they're a good basketball team. So when you get the back end of that and you get to play some home games, I say no deal.
1: BYU's football in September going three or four away shows you how influential playing too many away can be on a team. Totally different football and basketball. (laughs) Totally different. Both fruits. Apples and oranges. Everyone overlooks that part. They're
0: both (laughs) fruits. Big deal, no deal. Brought to you by Brady Industries. Clean solutions. A tradition for generations. Let's read this Big tweet deal. from at Lacro Polish, who says, No deal! Tanner still better than Colin Kaepernick
1: last weekend. So that's the standard now, is Colin Kaepernick? Can we raise our sights a little higher to the blood moon, maybe? <laughs> and not like at the house level? Oh, that's really funny. Aim higher, people! Nice tweet, Lacro
0: Polish. I saw Up a better next, one, I'll tell you. The all-time Diggs leader in BYU women's volleyball history back in studio. BYU Sports Nation presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live in Studio B. Remember, if you ever miss an episode of BYUSN Live, the rebroadcast now airs weeknights on BYU TV starting at 6 p.m. Eastern.
1: We call it the Countdown to Conference. That's the unofficial name. But it's a Saturday special of BYU Sports Nation coming up this Saturday. One hour prior to LDS General Conference on BYU TV, it's at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. This Saturday, October 3rd, we'll recap the Connecticut game. Hopefully talk to some players. Should be a lot of fun.
0: Joining us for the second time in this, her senior volleyball season for the 15th-ranked Cougars, is BYU women's volleyball libero, Sierra Parker. Sierra, welcome back.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: Four aces right after you came on BYU (laughs) Sports Nation the first time. Are you a believer... In the BYU Sports Nation Karma,
4: I am a firm believer in the BYU Sports Nation Karma. So I'm actually pumped to be here because we got a big one against San Diego on Friday. So I'm indeed. I'm pumped. Should we just get that out of the way
0: right now? Then
1: should we just just deliver the the BYU Sports Nation Karma off the top of the interview? Yeah. Okay. Digs, aces, probably gonna have a kill where you bump it over and they, you know, scramble. You'll probably get at least one kill. When you were at the line, did you think about it? You're like, because you had three in a row in that match. It was against, what, Idaho State? Oh, yeah. Was that yep. the yeah. match?
4: Mm-hmm. I didn't think about it. I was just trying. Let's, well, a couple did, of though, them, right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Some of them I was like, oh, my gosh. I thought they were going to be out. And so I was like, oh, my gosh, please drop in. And they dropped the in. So.
0: karma. The karma, back back the, karma. Yeah. the karma effect. The, and it was the karma. The karma effect. And the altitude. We had people immediately tweeting at us during the live broadcast. Oh,
4: it's the karma. It's the karma. People <laughs>
0: are dialed in. They, they pay attention. There you go. You beat LMU last night in four sets. What did you feel like BYU as a team did well last night coming off of a loss?
4: Um, I thought we did a really good job of just focusing on us as a team and on what we needed to do. Um, Everyone stepped up their game. We all were a little bit. Angry about our loss on on Saturday and how that kind of went down. So, um, I think last night just our focus was really good and a lot of people stepped up and did what we needed them to do in that moment. And I it was just great. And I'm hoping we can just keep getting better and keep that rolling into our next match.
1: What is it about the matchup with Santa Clara? Because even last year's team that lost only what mm-hmm. five matches all year or something lost at Santa Clara as well.
4: Yeah. Um. I they're they're a really good team. They always play tough at home, you know, Um, and we have the target on our back. That team always just catches us at the the wrong time for us, the right time for them, but it was honestly just a good learning moment for us because we had to come back to what really matters, and it was kind of a humbling thing for us and uh, just a good reminder that no one is better than anybody. Anybody can beat any team at any time it's just who's playing better on that day and where I think we were the better team they just outplayed us a little bit and so um you know it was a good learning experience and I'm glad it happened at this point rather than later so we were able to readjust our focus and our mindset which is I think what needed to happen
0: for the majority of your career at BYU you have known nothing but playing as a ranked team a top of the conference with a target on your back what is that like to constantly be the team that everybody is trying to track and chase down and upset?
4: You know, it's it's hard at times, but it's just a good challenge for us. I think our team is really good at, you know, taking that as a challenge and um being able to to run with it. it. It keeps us hungry. It makes us want to just keep getting better. But it's also a good lesson, you know, we aren't better than anybody and that's one thing our coaches, Heather, Dave, and Charlie always preach is that we're humble and we're confident but we give every team, you know, no matter if they're ranked, no matter what's happened previously with them, we give them Um, our utmost respect and we aren't better than anybody and so i think just those lessons have been really good being as successful as we have been and i think because of those lessons and those things that our coaches preach we are as successful as we are
1: now that you're into conference play um do you feel like you know what you have with this team it's not the same team as last year it's kind of a different group
4: yeah it's definitely a different group i mean we've got some different dynamics we don't have six seven blocking on on the right side um but we do have girls like Cozy that are coming in and stepping up and doing a really good job trying to fill those shoes from last year's team. And I think we're just we're just continuing to learn who we are and what we're all about and giving each other um, the best that we have because right now we've, we're just trying to figure things out. Um, but I think we're doing a good job of that. So,
1: What size shoe did Jennifer Hampson wear?
4: Oh, my gosh. I think like
1: – And I don't understand female shoe sizes, but –
4: I want to say like a 13 or
1: 14. Wow. What is that in men's? Probably like an 11 or a 12. But I don't 11 put 11 or a 12? Anybody? 11 or a 12? That's that's pretty big. <laughs> Six, Jen, seven. I'm
4: sorry if that's
1: not <laughs> your shoe size. Fuji <laughs> <puti, laughs> Tabana wore a size 16, oh I believe. Gosh. Or 17, just as a reference. That's unbelievable. You didn't you didn't think we'd be talking about shoe sizes, did the you? The
0: Hampson family is about to tweet in and be Alan like, Hampson. oh, actually it's... Now it's probably
4: smaller thing. than that, but I don't know.
1: You Sierra ne- Parker. you get nervous though, about that?
4: A little bit.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sierra Parker with us in studio B, all-time digs leader at BYU. Last night you had 16 in four sets against LMU, and we were talking about numbers and the dynamics of chasing, like <laughs> statistics. Do you do you have a goal every game, depending on how many sets the
4: the match goes? Honestly, I don't ever really have a set goal or tell myself, oh, I want to get 20 digs tonight or something. But I do play a little game with the hitters myself. So, you know, if a hitter hits at me, I'm going to dig it. It's a little game I play with those hitters. So if they happen to get a kill on me, I'm like, okay, good for you. That's one for you. But I'm going to get three more you're not going to get. And so I just play that little game within myself, and I think it kind of takes care of itself. So I never really have a set number. But, I mean, if I'm digging balls, it's good for my team. So...
1: Do you? Um, are you ever? Is this just with yourself? Is this just a mental game?
4: Yeah, it's just with myself. I just. Have
1: you thought about talking to the hitter? Um, that's I, one.
4: That's one. I have four. <laughs> <laughs> call him out a little bit. Um, sometimes, at him. Yeah. sometimes, yeah. Sometimes it gets a little chippy. I, I call the setter out a lot. I don't know if the opposing anyone, setter, the opposing setter. I'll go up to What's the, the
1: conversation net. like? I'm
4: always like, I was like, don't do it. I'm going to get you. Don't dump it. <laughs> I always talk to her. and they always just kind of look like I can hear you, but I'm not going to. Act like I hear you, so.
1: but you know they hear you. But
4: I know they hear you. Oh, that's fantastic. Do they ever so. play
1: on size at all? Like, oh, I can't even see you. Do they play on that? Probably,
4: no. but that's I a don't.
1: classic volleyball joke, yeah.
4: yeah. Probably they probably do, but I just see I pretend like I don't see that. I'm like,
0: hey, when you dig a big hitter, <laughs> you need to be like, hey, you know what's embarrassing? You're 6'4 and I'm 5'6 and I just owned you. <laughs> Hit it harder. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> As you look at this current BYU team, number 15 in the country right now, and you said you're you're doing a good job of figuring things out and and just trying to get everything into place as you now go into the full slate of West Coast Conference play. What is the greatest strength of your BYU team right now?
4: Ooh, Right now, I think our biggest strength is probably just the fight that we have. Um, We all really want to get better, and we all – We all kind of play with a little chip on our shoulder because even though we did play in the national championship last year and we have been a a really great team in years past, I think people don't really think that we can match our our season last year. And I don't think people really think we have it in us to do it again because of some of the the people that we lost. So we all kind of play with the chip on our shoulder. and, And sometimes, you know, it might not come across that way because we have some young girls and they're still trying to figure out their role and what they need to do. But I think that's our biggest strength is we don't back down from a challenge and we're ready to go whenever. So –
1: Well, the journey continues Friday night at San Diego. That sounds like a a super lame road trip, San Diego. (laughs) 1030 (laughs) Eastern Time on the W.TV. Thanks for joining us, and uh, good luck again, San Diego. Thank you for having me. Talk trash, please.
0: Yes, (laughs) enjoy the karma, talk some trash. Okay. America's
1: greatest city.
0: Sierra Parker in Studio B. Up next on BYU Sports Nation. We update you on everything else going across BYU SN in the Cougar Whip Around and who deserves our rise and shout. This is BYU Sports Nation simulcast on BYU Radio and BYU TV. BYU Sports Station presented in part by DexterLaw.com. Help when
1: you need it most. Let's whip it. It's time for the Cougar whip Around Women's volleyball. Volleyball. Number 15, BYU beat LMU in four sets last night, led by Cozy Burnett's career-high 12 kills. Alexa Gray had 12 kills and 13 digs. We just talked with Sierra Parker on the show. If you missed it, download the podcast. Men's Basketball.
0: Media Day yesterday. Head coach Dave Rose joined us in Studio B. He says the Cougars begin practice on Monday, the first of 30, over a 42-day period. The season opener against Utah Valley on November 13th.
1: Baseball. Former Cougar Jacob Bruckman of the Midland Rockhounds, the AA baseball team, has been named the offensive player of the postseason in the Texas League. Nice. Golf.
0: The BYU women's golf team took fourth place at the Rose City Collegiate. Kendra Dalton took second place overall with a three-round score of three under par.
1: Cross country. Men's team moved up in the rankings to number 12. Most underrated team on campus, question mark. And the women are ranked 23rd. Maybe so.
0: We are live from Lavelle Edwards Stadium this Friday. We will have UConn play-by-play man Joe D'Ambrosio with us. He's coming down to the stadium.
1: He hung out a couple times with us last year in that full offseason when we talked about Connecticut football. That that was amazing. Remember when we were in the countdown to Connecticut? That was amazing. Next year it's Arizona, by the way.
0: (laughs) With no countdown. A little better. With no
1: countdown. I'm (laughs) anti-countdown next year. Please, no. Today's Rise
0: and Shout brought to you by Dexter and Dexter. Help when you need it most. DexterLaw.com. And it goes to Jacob Brugman. Former BYU baseball standout, the Texas League offensive player of the postseason. He had a stretch of four home runs in about eight games. The well, Midland Rockhounds. Oh, three, four straight games. I think four games. Four straight yeah. games. It was great. The Midland Rockhounds won the Texas League. He is very quickly making his way up that chart. Major League Baseball, the Oakland A's organization, hoping to get to the big show.
1: It'd be nice if he got a triple-A look because then then you're just a couple you know position spots away, if, especially for an outfielder. In his situation.
0: So I thought about something earlier in our uh, big deal, no deal conversation about Tanner Mangum. How bad was Josh Rosen of UCLA against BYU? Even worse. Was that a big deal?
1: Yes. Yes. It was a big deal.
0: It was one game, and they're still undefeated. He got bailed
1: out by his running back.
0: That's true. So what I'm saying is...
1: Had had, had BYU won the game and Tanner struggled, I would say say no deal? Yeah, I'd be... uh, yeah, they want It just it, happens. It's still a big deal. even. The chosen Rosen. It just happens. Isn't fifty-five yards, dude? It just happens. Is one hundred something and multiple picks. Here, the good news: Tanner Mangum didn't throw multiple picks. The bad news: BYU lost again by thirty-one, in which they didn't turn the ball over. Whole team. Gee,
0: Tanner alone, not a big deal. Whole team, big deal.
1: Uh, I I just have an issue with um, pointing the finger of compliment and not-, not pointing a finger of okay. That's that's a tricky situation. All right.
0: our elite tweet of the day we don't have time to at, argue. I do rock the Y. <laughs> read this earlier. this is great. he said this running back is 510, 182 pounds and ran a 10.9 100 meters in high school still has four years of eligibility. me do We need to put out a call for. Mike No, Nope.
1: Nope. Okay. nope. not yet. It's Riley
0: Burt, Francis Bernard, Nate Carter, and who knows?
1: And who knows? Thanks to Blaine Fowler, Sierra Parker, and everyone on our crew. The conversation continues 24-7 on Twitter using the hashtag BYUSN. Coming up in two minutes. In fact, one, uh, yeah, two minutes. A replay of this week's Inside BYU Football. We're on demand.
0: Download the podcast on iTunes or the TuneIn app. For Jeremy and Spencer. Shout out to Quinn Gooch. BYU Sports Nation back to tomorrow at noon Eastern.